0: Welcome to another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Um, I'm your host Justin Jewlander, and with me is Mr. Rob Stone, aka Bob Rock. How you doing, man?
1: All good. Excited to be here. I'm really excited uh, for our guest today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Guest and topic. Yeah, right. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so, without further ado, uh, Zach uh, Baez, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Hey,
2: what's up, guys? How you doing?
0: You know, am I saying that right? Is it Baez or Baez?
2: Technically, you know, when your name ends in a Z, it gets a little crazy, but it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, Baez, Zach Baez, Baez, like Joan Baez, but not related. Okay.
0: Okay. Not related. No. Do you sing? No, <laughs> I right. don't. Okay. Only in my car. Going <laughs> in the shower. You. Yeah. <laughs> As we all tend to do, right? Yep. Cool. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, Zach is uh, over on the East Coast, kind are of, you, are you close to Eric and Owen and those guys?
2: I'm about um, 45 minutes away from Eric and probably about an hour away from Owen. So okay.
0: I'm are in you Jersey. in? Oh, you're in Jersey. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, uh, it was it was great to see you at Carpet Fest and catch up a bit and see yeah, your ama- amazing photography. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. That was a good time, so, yeah. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get into that a bit here soon. But um, I don't know how are you guys, how's everything going? Having a good season so far? Or, I don't know. Do you do you keep much uh,
2: anymore, Zach? Or do you got do you have any? Critters? I I keep some. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I have a group of uh, Phyllobates terribilis, the the oh, golden cool. poison dart frog. So I keep yeah. a group of those. I've been raising those and breeding them for the last six years. Oh, um, very cool yeah yeah they're awesome uh mm-hmm. other than that i have one chameleon so i have one pardalis okay. uh which who i love uh-huh. dearly he's very spoiled um yeah <laughs> but that's it no snakes that's okay. that's on purpose because you know, like snakes are like potato chips so I told myself, <laughs> yeah that's
0: true <laughs> once the
2: collection dwindled down to none i said that's it i can't start <laughs> it up again
0: a reformed addict in, yes, in, in correct. action there. Totally,
2: <laughs> totally sober on the snakes. That's right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's hard to do. I, I don't yes, know that is. I could do that. Um,
2: no, um, it's, it was really tough. And it's, it's tough yeah. every day, every yeah. day. Is tough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But yeah, I mean, I think you've, uh, made a reasonable tr- uh, trade, so, you know, we'll we'll get into that a bit, but, correct. um, yeah, that's uh I, I do enjoy dart frogs other than the uh fruit flies. <laughs> that's the the downside to those things, but they're really cool animals. I was really surprised how how long lived they are. I mm-hmm. didn't realize, you know, when I got into them that they lived, you know, twenty mm-hmm. plus years sometimes. So that's kind of cool. Yep. Yep. And the terabillas are one of my favorites. They're really neat. You said you have the yellow ones?
2: Yeah, I have yellows. So oh, they're yeah. um have yellows, and then about I guess that was three years ago. Something I guess you could call it a morph. I'm still trying to prove it out, popped out of my mm. line, so I'm working on oh, those. Very cool, yeah. So, uh, that's pretty cool, but um, yeah. really interesting frogs, super bold, mm-hmm. always out, you know. They beg me for food every day, yeah. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, super cool, super cool animals. So, that's I neat. highly recommend them if you haven't had them before, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, those are those are great species. There's there's so many cool herb species. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if I just had more time, more room, more more money, mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, what kind of uh, setup do you have them in?
2: They're like a 36 by 18 by 18. I have okay. how many do I have now? I have two f- adult groups, and then I probably have something in the neighborhood of about 30 babies. So oh, nice they produce a lot. So, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very prolific. Uh, so do they take forever to hatch and grow, grow out from the tadpole stage? I mean, what's the time you're looking at there?
2: Uh, between times that they're, the eggs are laid by the time I get to them before the females eat them. Cause sometimes <laughs> they will do that. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I keep them in groups. So uh-huh. if, if one of the females just uh, wants the male's attention, she'll eat the eggs. So, wow. um, you gotta, you kind of have to pull them pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time I pull them and they're out of water, I guess, as we call it in the frog hobby, mm-hmm. uh, I would say at least two months. Yeah. Sometimes a little longer depends on, it really depends on the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's cool in the house, if it's warmer in the house, they tend to go, they grow a little faster. If it's cool in the house, obviously slower. So, yeah. you know, it's like, it's almost like keeping fish in a lot of ways.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
2: apples. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it's, you know, how much you feed them depends on how quickly they grow. I mean, Mm-hmm. same stuff so um yeah but usually it takes a couple of months to get them going and then at least a couple of another months before they're ready to go
0: yeah uh, yeah that's yeah. kind of i guess i i kept team for for quite a while and mm-hmm. same kind of thing you just like almost forget you had and they took so long to you know it's like like you said like having a fish tank in addition to the frog so it's kind of right. fun at right. the two different stages, I guess, you know, you think I I think about the local amphibians, and they are typically like, um, from egg to frog in you know less than two months because mm-hmm. their their water source is drying up, you know. But I guess the rainforest uh, creatures don't necessarily have that problem. <laughs> Correct. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I also think um, at least when tictorius, you know, they they're cannibalistic the the tadpoles you know so okay. you, gotta, you raise them kind of separately and singly and that sort of thing but fellow yep. they're communal so oh nice you know, they're they're good to be raised in a group so okay yeah, yeah. so that makes it a little bit easier cuz all you really do mm-hmm. is take care of one tank but mm-hmm. um yeah it's still the same same thing really cool though it's really really fun to to see all the stages
0: yeah yeah that's cool I, I just I would have a bunch of different uh cups you know clear cups mm-hmm. with one tadpole each so I guess that's right I'd yep. forgotten that they were uh that that was the reason for that. It's been a while since I've had them so yep. <laughs> yeah yep. they're they're cool though
2: yeah they'll right. also produce um they'll also produce a hormone, believe it or not the tinctorious in the in the water so that way the um the frog that hatches first or mm-hmm. the tadpole that hatches first actually will release a hormone too. Stunt the growth of the other frogs. So oh wow! It's, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like chemical that's warfare nice. from, yeah. from birth. Yeah. Wow. Wild.
0: Against your own siblings. <laughs> yep. Wow, yeah. that's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's there. There's some really interesting behaviors with dart frogs. You know, with the
3: mm-hmm.
0: the where they place tadpoles in different bromeliads, brum- and they'll visit and lay eggs in each of the bromeliads mm-hmm. for the food source and stuff. It's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, definitely understudied, but very cool.
1: Nice. And I think uh, the cool part about Tereblis, right, is that uh, I guess, you know, that boldness is associated with being what the most mm. toxic vertebrate <laughs> right, in the All world. Planet. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, they're not afraid of anything. So that makes them, you know, especially in that uh, <laughs> without without that toxin in them, makes them an ideal captive as opposed to some of the smaller yeah. stuff that uh, doesn't have quite that potency. So it doesn't have that same level of bravado to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Very true. Yep, you wanna you wanna get those toxic ones so you see them out and about.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing stuff. And the uh, when yeah. you're talking a, a, about the hormone being released right by the first one that, that is capable of doing it, essentially, there was some something around cane toads, right? That came out research in the last six months to mm-hmm. a year that was then put into sort of popular media, where they actually are releasing a hormone that's what increasing increasing the rate of cannibalism or increasing the mm-hmm. rate of predation amongst hmm. others, something like that. Right. So yeah,
3: uh,
1: your point, super interesting and all the complexities of the natural world, right. Mm-hmm. Again, right. The, the cosmic octopus exceeding our capacity to understand it, right. All these different yeah. subtleties, additionalities.
0: For sure. Amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. There's, there's some uh, amazing things that occur in the wild for sure. <laughs> That's uh part of the fun of it. All I guess is, uh, getting out there and finding this stuff. So cool. And then, uh, one, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's a male, uh, Panther chameleon. Yeah. Yeah. It's a male. Yeah. It's that's a male. cool. Yep. They're so yep. beautiful. It's, that's mm-hmm. yeah, a fun, fun thing to have for sure. Nice. Well, um, I guess maybe tell us a little bit about yourself a little, maybe a little bit of background and where you fit into herpeticulture.
2: Oh man. <laughs> um, born and raised in New Jersey. Um, I've been into reptiles. I guess like everybody else, most of your life chasing stuff mm-hmm. in the backyard, keeping stuff um, that you find, all that sort of thing. Um,
0: now, did you did you grow up close to the Pine Barrens, Were you out out uh, running? Yeah, around it's there? <laughs> it's
2: it's interesting because yes, we I grew up close to the Pine Barrens, but um, it was I don't know how to say this, but the Pine Barrens have a certain reputation
3: Uh and
2: uh certain certain folks for a long time then never felt welcome in the pines it's changing a lot now but at the Uh time it was not something that you know you know a couple puerto ricans from the bronx went to go Uh hang out in um that's just the reality yeah so unfortunately um that wasn't the case i wasn't able to hang out in the pines too much growing up i'm making up for that now Um,
3: nice (laughs) and uh
2: but yeah at at the time that wasn't the case and so mostly just when we went on camping trips and stuff, I would, I would get out there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd spend the whole camping trip out by the pond fishing, catching frogs, you know, mm-hmm. the normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, kept reptiles for my, pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, really got into carpet pythons. What was it? At least 15 years ago, maybe at mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Um, I had a few clutches of that, a few breeding seasons of that, and then uh, just through life and things I needed to get done, I couldn't keep anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I let go of the collection and then focus heavily on field herbing. Okay. And that's um, and specifically international field herbing because um, it combined my love of uh, travel plus my love of. Reptiles and my love of photography, so oh, yeah. if you kind of combine those three things together. It's it's the perfect storm for that. So, yeah.
0: uh, and what a so combination! Never, never look
2: back. Yeah, never yeah. look back.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> mean, you do do all those very well. So <laughs> that's kind of why why we wanted to have you on here to kind of chat about that. But yeah, yeah I, Like I said, I was just uh, just a, in awe of your photographs and you know all the trips you've been on. Really cool stuff, and um, man, it makes me question whether I want to ditch my collection or not. <laughs> That's yeah. cool stuff. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah,
0: Cool. Well, um, I guess that kind of leads us into, into the discussion we're going to talk about is, uh, so part of it is, uh, you know, uh, Rob and I both kind of enjoy planning herp trips and kind of figuring out where to go and all these kind of things. And, and a lot of, uh, your, your, your international herp trips have been with, uh, like guided herp tours, Um, so, um, we kind of wanted to compare and contrast, I guess, those two different styles and kind of the pros and cons of, of both. So, um, we brought you on to discuss that topic, you know, uh, should we, should you do a guided herp tour or is it better to plan your own or, and I, I'm sure, you know, we can all fall into, to both categories. So of course, you know, we need to be prepared to defend either side here, but, uh, you know, right. where you're, you're the expert in uh, the guided trips, and we probably don't know that. We're probably not going to pick that side because <laughs> it'll maybe be a little harder to defend. But who knows? Maybe we'll throw you a loop here and we'll uh, All right. We'll see how it goes. But um, so first off, we'll uh, flip the coin between Rob and I and, and to see who gets the pleasure of fighting with you the, tonight. Sure. <laughs> so I'll let uh, <laughs> Rob call the, the toss here.
1: Okay. Heads.
0: It is tails. Tails. <laughs> so, like yeah. Um, man i i think I think Rob has the passion on this one, so I might I might let Rob go ahead and debate you, and I'll moderate tonight. Fair enough. <laughs> How does that sound fair
1: enough? Sounds good to me. <laughs> does
0: that work for you, Rob?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all good.
0: Okay. Okay. And then uh, I'll flip the coin again for you guys. Uh, Zach, why don't you call this one, and then you guys can you can pick tails. Your, it is tails. So you got the choice of which side you want to take.
2: <laughs> I'm going to get this real easy for us. I'm going to defend the, uh, I'm going to defend Herp Tours.
0: Okay. All right. You'll take the the side of guided Herp Tours are, are great and wonderful. And that's how we should Herp and Rob will <laughs> go and plan your own trip. And, I want to go know. that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now as a winner of the coin toss, of course, you get to decide if you go first or if Rob goes first.
2: Oh man. I think I'm going to go first actually.
0: Okay. Wow. The anti-Chuck here. (laughs) Chuck would always make me go first if he won the coin toss. So (laughs) that's very benevolent of you. Yeah.
2: No, I think I have to go first because, um, I think I have something to prove here a little bit. So All right, I want right. to go ahead and, and, and go first. Uh, I
0: like it. Come out swinging.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, what it was about a couple of weeks ago? I heard you guys on on the on this podcast, of course. And I heard yeah. something that Justin said. Justin said, you know, those herb trips, those tours. I don't think I'd have fun on one of those, and I would disagree. Okay. And that's when it spurred me on. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold <laughs> on. Wait a minute. I don't think he quite understands how they are. So maybe if I get on there and we talk about it, maybe I could, I convince him one way or the other. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see how I do.
0: All right. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you reached right out to me and said, hey, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that argument. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I'll take that fight. Absolutely. So yeah, kudos, man. Yeah. Thanks for coming on.
2: No worries. So I'm going to say probably... Uh, this might be kind of interesting, uh, I think, because this could be both a pro and a con, depending on the kind of person you are, depending on um, how gregarious you are, I guess we can say. Mm-hmm. But for me, the biggest pro I could ever say about Herb tours or expeditions, however you want to um, coin them, mm-hmm. is the fact um, it's the people you meet. To me, that's number one. Um I can't tell you how many uh, tours that I've been on and the people I've spent those two weeks in the jungle with or um, in the desert with or whatever have become lifelong friends. Um, and oh. these are friends that I've met all from all over the world. And so you can't it becomes hard to do that without these kind of trips. Mm hmm. And so you get a big perspective on a lot of different people coming together with a shared interest, people from different backgrounds, people from different countries, all coming together uh, and being one and having this one solid goal to to find as many reptiles and amphibians as you can to kind of enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And for that um, it's, it's hard to beat um, a tour, uh, Mm -hmm. frankly, because you don't get to pick who comes with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if you're a, an antisocial person, probably not for you, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> uh, if you if you are if you like people, if the things, if places like Carpet Fest get you excited and you want to meet new people, you want to talk about reptiles and amphibians in nauseum for two weeks, then um I'm gonna say that tours might be for you. Um <laughs> on top of that, not only do you get to meet new people, you get to become friends with those people, those people then invite you to their trips. Okay. <laughs> Uh-huh. And so what one opportunity can then blossom to more opportunities and those trips that aren't public or the trips that aren't, you know, being, uh, toured, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, you get invited on, you get invited to meet people in different places. You know, I have, you know, I have apartments all over now if I wanted to crash somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that is an amazing thing that it's hard to get if you were to go solo.
0: Yeah. No, so without I...
2: a doubt, that for me is the big one. That okay. is the big one for me.
0: That see that that kind of takes me by surprise. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have considered that. I I guess do you have any examples of the opposite of that where you've been stuck with somebody for a couple <laughs> weeks where it's been like a little miserable or? I'm maybe, not going to name
2: names. Yeah,
0: that would be <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. We don't want um, you to name names, but I'm not going
2: to name names. But there's <laughs> I mean, there's been I mean, there's been obviously situations. Um, and so it's it's tough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to a tour you want them a certain size but you don't want them too big but you don't want too many people or not enough people you kind of want a good mix yeah. and you know like to me that eight to ten is probably like where i'm hitting my maximum okay. but uh there's enough people you can kind of get away from each other too which i think is important mm-hmm.
0: is um, is that about the size of uh, trips you're doing is about yeah, eight to 10? A,
2: anywhere from eight to ten to up to twelve maybe even uh on a crazy big trip maybe up to sixteen okay um but yeah, usually it's, it's lower yeah. than that. Um, uh-huh. So, look, ultimately, <laughs> you, and not everyone gets along. And that could be that's one of my cons as well. Not everybody gets along. And so <laughs> with enough people, you can kind of shelter yourself and we from certain people that you maybe don't necessarily get along with. And so that's good. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I mean, I've, I've gone on herping trips with just me and somebody else in the car for for a week. And by the end of that week, you want to, you want to kill him. So,
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, you know,
2: there's, there's that part of it too. So at least you get to get that, uh, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, switch up. Sw- yeah, yeah Spread out a little bit. So mm-hmm. you get to talk to different people and kind of, you know, maybe, maybe this couple of days, you're spending a lot of time with this person. Next mm-hmm. couple of days, spend a lot of time with that person. That's what makes it really fun. Um, very, in cool. my opinion. Yep.
0: Okay. Rob, let's see what you got to
2: say about that. <laughs> Well, you
1: fit, uh, fit neatly into one of the things that I wanted to talk about, not necessarily as a negative, but just in terms of a, a curiosity, right? In terms of the sure. dynamics of variable group sizes, things like that. Saying even, right? Not only sort of inherent personality. I do think it's, you're totally right, right? If on, uh, for the most part, my stuff is not solo versus 10 to 12 people. It's more like, I think our normal group size is more like four to six, but to your point, that's all people that i know to some extent right and for the most part is actually like sort of a revolving cast and crew where like a trip might have a new person or it might be uh, a person who's new to other people on the trip but who i've known for a long time or whatever so just sort of there there is an interplay there but it's certainly not the the random stranger save when we're in uh we're experiencing local culture however that sort of takes shape right but and that that obviously is not the same uh level of relationship and impact as um being traveling about with folks uh, for better and worse for two weeks what i did want to ask kind of with a group that size and maybe this is more reflective of the particular trips you've taken does it seem like everyone is sort of pulling in the same direction because even on trips that you know, sort of I've led, so to speak, that's not always the case, right? Both in terms of what folks are interested in seeing, or even just the willingness of hey, you know, if my as Justin knows, right? Both he and I like to like to push <laughs> it a little bit, and sometimes not everyone is that's not the speed that they're looking for, or it doesn't always make sense with a particular group dynamic, or how, however it plays out, right? So, I can, I can only imagine been in a situation where uh, people are more like, Oh, well, I saw this tour company on Instagram or heard good things or whatever. And I paid my money that you might have an even broader range of uh, uh, willingness to uh, play along in that context than in mine, where it's more of a curated group. And I would imagine, you know, that that your uh, friends who host, host their tours probably love to have repeat customers as opposed to people that they're not familiar with. I'm sure that is a big part of it, but, uh, if you could speak to that a little bit.
2: Sure. So yeah, of course, I, that, that, that goes without saying, right. Um, obviously um, you would want people who have gone before to be at least some. So it just makes it a little bit easier for everybody. If that is the case if people know what the gist is. Um, so that that's pretty good. Uh, but you're right. I think it could, um, if if the tour is, or if the, if the, if the leader of the group is, is regimented enough, understands what we're doing, what we're not doing, and kind of is able to, I guess, herd cats in a lot of ways, it, it makes it a lot easier. Um, but I think that's also the fun of it. I think, yeah, I, I may not have this interest in X, Y, Z, like a lot of the birds and walk right by, I, there's a lot of birders that go on these trips, believe it or not. Um, so maybe they're interested in the bird, they're interested in this arachnid, they're interested in these bugs. They're really into plants. You know, you get a lot of different kinds of people. And so you're right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be, hey guys, I, we didn't want to go hard for this, we want to go hard for that. But the, half the team's tired, and you know, there's there is those occasions, of course. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there, I don't think there's ever been a time where I've been on, sh- on these trips where I'm like, there's not enough herbing. There's plenty mm-hmm. of herbing. That's why you're there. Sometimes, in my opinion, sometimes it feels like it's too much herping. It's like, my God, <laughs> can we, like, maybe not? Can we do something, like, can we do something else? Can we just, like, and there's opportunities for you to maybe not go on the night hike, maybe not go on that, that part of the trip, stay at the mm-hmm. hotel, whatever it is, wherever you are. And as a result, that kind of, you can kind of tailor it to what you like and what you don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I, there is a dynamic there that um, you, know, you can look at it as a con or or a
0: pro. Um, I'm curious uh, on your on your trips. How many uh, repeat, uh, like, you know, what what number of people do you get going on the same trips? You know, the the next trip, I guess you could say, or, or the the subsequent trips. How many repeat uh, customers are you going with on average?
2: Oh man. Um,
0: I mean, is there usually like one or two guys that yeah on all of them or
2: yeah no no I, at or, least Um it okay. was. There was the last tour we took i was i think yeah I, myself was the only person who's been on a tour before okay. um that was i believe namibia was like that um mm-hmm. and so like or no no i'm sorry i'm the second person yeah so i guess there is it really depends um mm-hmm. but yeah there's usually at least a couple people who have been on the tours before okay yeah cool Awesome.
1: Yeah. And you hit on a point there would, just in terms of the extent to which these tours sort of have mm, modality where you have side adventures or open, you know, uh, open to possibilities, right? Is it every sort of everyone's uh, captive, uh, captive and along for the ride? And I'm sure the answer when you're going, maybe when you're going from place A to place B and in a uh, one-way fashion, the answer has to be yes. But uh, to what extent that sort of and not that that's any different from the way that I would lead a trip, but I'm just out of curiosity. <laughs> exactly. mine, 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 you're probably more captive, to be honest, regardless of the situation. So I'm just curious.
3: <laughs> uh, that's funny. Mm. Yeah,
1: so, uh. I, um, yeah, no, that, that's really good. Um, I guess the kind of going to the fundamental, one of the fundamental joys of a trip for me and Justin, I know as well is the idea of the pre-planning and sort of the Mm. sense of agency and directive um, and kind of being able to invest that time on the front end. um, Do you generally enjoy that? Or do you, uh, is that not, uh, not half the quote, half the experience or whatever for you? Do you just, it's really about seeing the thing more so than it is sort of that getting that real type A enjoyment on the front end as well.
2: Um, I think it comes down to, frankly, for me, it comes down to um, probably time, time, effort, those sorts of things. Um, and it comes down to information. I'm not, I'm, often places I'm really interested in visiting are not places that you can necessarily um, get a lot of information about, or um, you need somebody on the ground to kind of curate some of that information. And so, well, yes, I'm sure there, there could have been some of the trips I've taken where I could probably have put something together that was halfway decent and similar. Um, to me, it's it's where am I putting – where am I investing that time and that effort? Um, that's not to say I'm not preparing for a trip, right? Um we, you know, we're looking at the itinerary, you look at it, okay, where should I be looking, that sort of thing. You mm-hmm. do a lot of pre-planning anyway. Okay, what kind of camera equipment am I bringing? What kind of flashes am I bringing? Do I think it'll be good for this? Do I think it'll be good for that? Um, doing some practicing at home, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and those sorts of things kind of prepare me, reading every guidebook I can find on the place. Mm-hmm. So that way I understand what I'm looking at when I do find it. Um, all all those, all those things are still pre-planning. And so I do get enjoyment out of preparing for an expedition without necessarily having to feel like I need to call the hotel or I need to call the lodge and try to get, you know, that to me, that's not the fun part. Like to me, I want to learn, I want to learn about the place. I want to learn about the culture. I want to learn about the language. Even I want to learn as much as I can about where I'm going. And if I could spend all my time doing that rather than necessarily calling hotels and booking this and booking the car and doing all that, and I could, literally offset that to somebody else and pay somebody to do that essentially for me, then to me, that's money well spent. Um, mm. I manage stuff all day. I manage a, uh, you know, <laughs> a $6 million furniture store. So mm. the, the, uh, <laughs> I'm tired of managing stuff. <laughs> you know, so that's a part of it. Like, I, I don't want to call people. I try <laughs> to put this, put yeah. that. No, no, no. Listen, I, I do that all day long anyway. So, <laughs> For me, I get enough practice with that, um, and I don't need. I don't feel like I'm losing anything by again offsetting off that to somebody else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, I don't necessarily mean the uh, the pure logistics. Style. I don't. I don't particularly enjoy that either. That's just a necessary evil that, that comes. I mean, more in the context of like you know, particular trying to suss out particular spots that you would want to hit or whatever. Although I think so. You you alluded to it there. I do think an important context for this is, you know, I've traveled to 35 or 40 countries or whatever, but in terms of herping, my experience is I'm talking about the United States and Australia in terms of these trips to this point. So uh, I do think that's a really important uh, context and is a real pro uh, given particular context for your side. So we'll hop there in one second. I did, before we get there, the one um, sort of practical question I had is in terms of Beforehand, So if we're talking about the planning in in my my vein, right, in terms of saying, OK, where where might be uh, spots or habitat niches within a particular um, national park or whatever it is, right, entity, wherever you're going, saying, oh, maybe this is what I the sort of habitat that I want to be looking at. Or if I'm looking at this habitat, this is what I might see, that sort of thing. Do you have a clear sense of the itinerary beforehand, meaning like literally we're going to this? Uh, maybe not this parcel versus this parcel, but in terms of saying you have a real good idea of where you're going, or is it more like you're just sort of uh, you're, you'll be getting on the bus and then the bus will go where it goes. Is it more like the first one or more like the latter?
2: No, it's actually more like the first one. So uh, the itinerary. So two things. And every, every tour group is, again, I'm a, I can only speak from the folks that I've worked with.
0: <laughs> who, who, which, which company do you mainly go with?
2: Uh, I go with Herpetological um, Education and Research Projects, so Herp out of Belgium. They're a Belgian okay. company. Okay,
0: cool. Um,
2: I think they do, they do. I could gush about them for days, so <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. do that right now. Uh, I could do it maybe a little bit later. But, um, yeah. you know, because I work with them pract- uh, at this point almost exclusively, a few mm-hmm. other trips I've not, I haven't done with them. But um, they do such a good job in making sure that you kind of get a gist of what the trip is going to be like. Uh, mm-hmm. The concern is, listen, is ultimately they are a company, right? And mm-hmm. they, they do run these, um, these. It is, it is IP, right? What they know about that area is their, um, their research mm-hmm. and, and ultimately their intellectual property in a lot of ways. And so mm-hmm. you can say, um, so they give you a lot of itinerary, at least a general gist of what's going on. And only until you, I guess... Put your name on the on the list, sign up, at least you know do a little bit of a deposit, something like that, where you get the full itinerary. And that just makes business sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. What you don't want to do is start shocking out your itinerary to everybody so they can go ahead and do the same thing you're doing or um, just literally run their own. I mean, these, these things you have to protect. So um, mm. in that way, yes, I don't really know the full gist of the plans until obviously after I've signed up. And then usually... I mean, they're very good at what they do. So everything I'd want to see, it's on there, right? So mm-hmm. uh, usually they're pretty good at saying. Um, they tend to go maybe for uh, as I guess higher variety. They like they like those high counts of has as much biodiversity as they can get you. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that could be conflicts, right? Um, yeah. So there's, so there's that. So, but generally I, I would say the itinerary is pretty much given to you. You know, pretty much every night where you're going to be. Um, and so you kind of, okay, this, this area I want to target, this, this is what I really want to be looking for, you know? And, and so you have, we all come with target lists when we get there for sure.
0: Yeah. Does it, do, do they, do you have any kind of agreement that you won't share their, their itinerary or the spots that you go to, or yeah, is yeah, it yeah. just kind of a, you know, courtesy that you, I mean, you know what I mean? Like if, if you had a good friend and you, and he wanted to take you to some country that you've been, would you be able to show him those spots or, or, or is that kind of like a, you know, something you've said that you would not do, you know, that kind
2: of thing? I think, I think it's, it's all, it's, I think everything is relative, right? So no, if I Mm -hmm. took uh, somebody to that, to one of these countries and I wanted to show them, you know, for instance, right, let's just, Ranamafana, right, in Madagascar. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to Ranamafana. Okay. Right. Nobody's yeah. been visiting Madagascar and not going to Ranamafana. Right. So there's certain areas which are kind of no brainers. Okay. Um, it's just the access to other areas meant maybe is potentially not feasible without local guys on the ground uh people you know that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. but generally yeah i mean most of the time i could probably take some money out there and it would be no problem but that's what i would do regardless those are not some secret Mm -hmm. spot a lot of the places we're going anyway so Mm -hmm. you know it's not some other areas some different countries could be different on that but generally speaking i think what they what they don't want is for me to be like all right, well, this is going to be Zach's Herb tours and I'm going to start charging people and taking them and taking their whole itinerary and doing that. Sure. That would be obviously not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Yeah, I think. Th- okay, cool. I guess the one, and I'm, I have a guess on this, but, and maybe it's maybe how it'll be presented, but it'd be good to hear one way or another. Um, Say that there's a, a trip to a place that has a ton of diversity, and there's almost within the constraints of the trip, there's just uh, there's too much, right? There, there's a an abundance <laughs> of choice. Are they open yeah. on the front end to input to say like, and maybe this means on the trip before, if you're you know you're on trip A with them and they're they're still figuring out what the next one's going to look like, either at that yeah, same yeah, place yeah, yeah, or yeah. a different one. Say like, yeah, yeah. hey, what about we try and hit X, Y, or Z? You know, and maybe that won't mean you know, the thing that comes to mind for me. Right. And JJ and I will be uh, giving us, giving it a go again uh, here. Not too long from now. Yeah. (laughs) If you go to Kakadu, right. There's a, it's a, an incredible place, a huge, you know, a huge range of diversity, but the abundance is relatively low of everything except Carlia. Um, (laughs) So that there are a couple of things. If you find anything, it's probably going to be amazing, but it's probably not like a, a herp expedition sort of place because there's the the odds of just stumbling it's not costa rica right the odds of just stumbling into it could be any anything out of this you know 150 different herps right Uh, Right, right, right. Is is pretty low um and it might take you four nights to find one snake but that one snake might be very well worth it uh you Mm -hmm. know so obviously those are kind of competing aims right um are they open to input on that generally in terms of saying hey on this next one when when we're coming back to indonesia the next time Let's go to this island instead of this one. Let's go try and find a Sawu Python, even though that's a mess to try and do. Or logistically, you know, it's probably really hard, but it would also be hard, I'd imagine, to do it without if you were standing there with no local connection at all. So it's sort of that that is probably a, a really tight, uh, tough spot, right? I can imagine of saying, like, well, we're going to a place with low abundance, the odds are not great, but. At the same time, probably the only chance you have of getting there logistically you would want a tour to make that happen
2: right, 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 I hear what you're saying hmm I mean yeah look uh especially after you've been on a few tours, obviously they they take your your input into account especially when we're we're sitting around talking about what the next tour is or especially if you're doing like a pilot tour like some place they've never been to before, that sort of thing obviously you know. Yeah, I've gotten questions like, oh, "What would you want to see? What would you want to look at?" That sort of thing. I don't know necessarily that you would be able to change the itinerary as you see fit, because if everybody started doing that on an eight, ten man group, then forget it. You know, um, it really kind of doesn't work out that way. I think you kind of have to understand that ultimately it's still a commercial venture, right? And and so it's not. I I would imagine. That if you were to go on a tour and then decide, you know, I want to see this island, that island, and you can probably make connections and and get that done yourself, Uh, having been to that spot already, that sort of thing, I think that'd probably be okay. Um, But I think that generally you're not going to be able to change the itinerary too much how you see fit. Mm Mm-hmm. It just makes sense you to, because you right? Like everybody has been signed up for this specific thing, and then all of a sudden somebody says, you know what, but I want to go see this Python on this island specifically. Can we take the two day, three days to go do that? Probably probably not gonna happen. Yeah. You got the chariblist talking to
1: us in the
2: background. Yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you'll, you'll, you'll hear them yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs>
0: And I, I think that's one of the the you know biggest pros of kind of doing your own trip is the flexibility to say, look, you know, the conditions aren't great right now for this spot. Let's move on. Let's go over here. Let's go over there. You know, that kind of thing. So I think that's, uh, that's definitely on Rob's side of, of the, the, the argument here is the flexibility and, and kind of tailoring it to what, what you're focused on or what your thing is. But, but I imagine too, like, uh, with a Herp tour, it's, probably a one and done. I, I don't know that you, would you like, would you have interest in, I, I guess, is there, is there a benefit to doing the same tour again? Uh, you know, maybe if it's, hmm. I don't know, what do you think? Would you, would you ever go on the, on the same tour twice?
2: Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. just because you've went once doesn't to me diminish. Um, there's, there's so many things I haven't seen still. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, for instance, we, we just came out of uh, Madagascar, and so they've been to Madagascar three times now. Mm-hmm. And so the talk is, well, when we do another Madagascar trip, we're probably going to change the itinerary. Okay. Because right? yeah. frankly, if we want people to come back, right, and who, mm-hmm. who are interested in other – because Madagascar is huge. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go see certain other parts of the the, the place, well, maybe we should – Changing it for the next itinerary to get more people excited about it who have already been. So yeah. that's something that, that could potentially be done. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, ultimately from, for a lot of places, yeah, it's going to be a one and done. Right. Okay. Um, especially if you have as varied interests as I do, um, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe for instance, like Namibia loved it to death. You know, I want to go back, but I'll probably go back, Which is my girlfriend and I will probably Mm -hmm. rent a land cruiser and go, you know, camping and doing all that sort of thing, do some Mm -hmm. herping, but go and do different things while we're there, go rock climbing, things like that. So there's reasons why I want to go back, not necessarily maybe on the same tour, but, you know, Mm -hmm. there's always reasons to go back to anywhere.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense, and and I, I guess to some extent the the uh, guided herp tour would kind of give you give you your feet under you. You know, you'd have a better sense of the layout without having to go through the pain of you know the Correct. the groundwork, all the Correct. the nitty gritty, I guess you'd call it. And you know, sometimes you you get an Airbnb and you get there and you're like, oh man, what have we? <laughs> what is this place? You know, this is not what it looked like online. <laughs> so right, right, those right. Kind of things can. Can happen, but uh, that
1: hasn't happened at all to us. I don't know what you're (laughs) saying.
0: Most of the Airbnbs have been fantastic. (laughs) We won't talk about the exceptions, but not all. (laughs) (laughs) But those those ones may have may have had uh, Diamondbacks in the yard, though, so that was kind of (laughs) cool.
1: Yeah,
0: there you go. All right.
1: Um, So I guess the I have plenty of more practical questions to kind of talk through, but the sort of the let me start with the i think what's one of the sort of critical questions right to enjoyment of the experience of, especially if we're not talking about in the enjoying meeting new people and and those sort of the human based side of this do you find quote find anything yourself when you're on this trip of course and I, and like i when i say that i recognize that whenever you're herping in the a group right you're going to see lots of stuff that you didn't you weren't the first person to see, or you know, all these different things. And as much as within that group, then I think that there's actually sort of the the common purpose and common common goal, and all those things that make mm-hmm. it um, it's still special, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the the question is, does the sort of commercial nature of the venture does it diminish that at all? So that if it's like, oh man, the the person that you're not getting on with in the 10 or 12 person group or whatever they, they stumbled onto the thing or the local guide is just like, it's like he's going to the the pet shop basically, you know, with, Oh, I know it lives in this tree. Does that hit differently for you or no, it's just, I got, I I came to this place and I wanted to see this thing. And while it would have been ideal for you to be the person ideal relative to your experience to, Oh, you were the one who magically stumbled upon it or whatever. um, Does that uh, does that a hit differently? And if it does, does that, um, obviously you're advocating for it. So it doesn't diminish it to the point of not being enjoyable, but do you, do you feel that, uh, that aspect
2: of that? Huh? So, uh, I would say, yes, we do. We do find a lot of it. Um, and so there's not, uh, frankly, it really depends on where you go. Um, uh, some places like right like costa rica i mean everybody's finding everything everywhere right it's uh it's it's, it's it's you're you're walking out of your room and you're you're almost tripping on a snake right it's like just Costa Rica's crazy so when it comes to something like that yeah you you're finding just as much stuff as anybody else's and you're finding just as much animals as anyone else's. I for me I guess you have to separate either the desire to see the animal uh the desire to photograph that animal to be an environment with that animal, to be in the presence of that animal, to if you if all those things come before your ego, I think generally speaking, you're gonna feel pretty good about it. But if we can be totally honest, in terms of in terms of herpers, there sometimes could be a bit of ego involved. <laughs> and so there could be like, damn it, if I didn't see it myself, my own eyes by myself, then I, then it doesn't count. Or, you mm-hmm. know, if, if, you know, I didn't flip that rock and my other buddy did, then it doesn't count. And so I, I, I look for me, um, there's too much I want to see for me to start, I guess, uh, painting myself in a box. And I think that's oftentimes what people do is they pick themselves in a box saying like, oh, the only kind of herping I want to do is this, that, or the other uh, versus in kind of keeping their eyes, um, keeping your, I guess, field of view a little bit wider and understanding that, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be you. Mm-hmm. Now, there's situations where it is the guy fighting everything. And that does, of course, it absolutely, it, it tends to <laughs> diminish the fun. Absolutely would where he's like, Oh, it's there. Oh, I already found it. Oh, you see it yet? Like, and it, that can, sometimes your guides are too good where you're like, damn man, let, let me find something. Right. <laughs> yeah. That does happen. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but sometimes they're so good. They're almost too good. Yeah. You're like, man, can you at least let me look a little bit <laughs> like they're like that. Um, yeah. You can also run into the, the, and look, we not, not necessarily on, on the trips I've been on, but you you can have instances of staging, of course, mm-hmm. of course. And so you have to be um, you have to go with a group that has that moral code and that doesn't sit well with them. And for 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 her, they they that's not OK with them. And so they make sure that their guides understand their guides on the ground understand that that's not something they're interested in seeing. And so there is that fine line and um, and that could be a little tricky. Some, some continents are are more known for that than others. Africa is very well known for staged animals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you have to make sure you're going with the right group and with the right guide so that that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. because nothing hurts worse than, you know, when you take photographs of something that you thought serendipitously you have found and come to find out that it was in that guy's backpack all day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's,
2: that, that would burn. Right? That
0: wouldn't be as <laughs> <laughs> exciting. Yeah, that sure. would
2: really kind of <laughs> chap everyone's yeah. ass. So yeah. that's not something that. Um, you have to be okay. careful with. You got to be careful choose. with that. You got to yeah. be careful with that. But again, that's 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 the reason why I do the tours because I understand that they're doing that groundwork for me. If I were to contact somebody in um, East Africa and I want to do an East Africa herping trip and I contact a local guide, I don't know if that local guy's legit. I don't yeah. know if he's, if he's doing the right things. I don't know if he's going to take that animal and put it in his pocket after I walk away. I don't know what's going on. And so making sure that I'm going with somebody who is making sure they're doing that groundwork that either has been there before know who to talk to those sorts of things. It just makes a lot of sense.
0: mm-hmm I I was in uh, Costa Rica and I went to this little, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's uh, like a little forest preserve that was privately owned. And so you had to pay a fee to go explore it or whatever. But I asked, you know, if, if they'd seen any snakes or, you know, any in, in any areas to focus on there. Oh, there's a there's a viper on, you know, go on this trail and go to number this number, you know, stop or whatever. And you'll see it there. And so I went there and there was like police tape around this. Little oh, spot my God. And there was a viper <laughs> on the forest floor in the middle of that. <laughs> and I'm like, either that viper doesn't move a lot, you know, and, and that very well could be it was a Bolthrop's Asper. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, you know, I, it, it, that's possible, but also possible too, that they just plunk it in down there and bring it in in the night or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah but is? you know, and they had like their their residents that they knew about. That, you know, there was a beautiful uh, green basilisk that lived in the pond, and I said, "Oh, you know, I'd love to see a basilisk. You, know, oh, go, there's one right over there. Go look right there. You know, so I got to see it, but I didn't find it on my own. But you know, I I, I guess I'd rather see it in the wild than than not see it. You know, but of course, finding it yourself is is a little more thrilling, especially if you've kind of mapped out where you might see that species and, and, you know, find one d- doing what it's supposed to do and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, definitely pros and cons, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. just
2: like anything else. We're herping, right. Where, where you find animals sometimes just as, a, or how you found it, right. Yeah. just as important as what you find. Right. And that's always the case. So yeah. obviously if I'm, I'm, I hiked for five, five miles and I'm up a mountain somewhere <laughs> and I'm yeah. by myself and I happen to find a car, co- you know, come across a price hike. Pretty good, it's yep. a good day, yeah, right? It's sure. definitely uh, better than our road cruise back to from the hotel to McDonald's <laughs> than I found, one, right? Yeah. Like, I there, right, uh, so we can we can play those games. We can say okay, that was a better experience than this one. And there's always been better experiences on the trip than others. There's always been some animals that were like a like a you know standout situation. Like on the last trip in mm-hmm. Madagascar, well, followed that hog nose, watched yeah. it dig the whole nest, watch it eat you know, those eggs. And that was me. Mm-hmm. That was me that morning, waking up early on purpose, make sure I was out there on my own on purpose. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and we were able to witness that. And that was, Very cool. that came out to be the standout situation of the trip. Yeah. Because again, it was me, it was all those things, but it doesn't, that doesn't say that the rest of the trip was, was not as memorable. Sure. Um, it's just That made that just a little bit more special.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely those experiences that just kind of stick with you forever. You know, you're not going to forget those moments.
2: But yeah, yeah, I mean, right. So for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that Justin, you go on some tours in the Baja, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say let's say you go on a tour to go see a whale shark.
0: Mm-hmm. Does
2: the fact that somebody else found that whale shark make it any different than you experiencing that whale shark in the in the water?
0: no i mean honestly not not for that but you know right like, so like yeah. where do
2: we draw the line right so uh-huh. for me just being in the presence of that animal being in that space yeah. that that to me is enough for me i mm-hmm. don't have to be like i was the one that found it because in, in terms of a group trip you can end up um it's oftentimes not you
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. like even if you're there with four guys you have one you're have 25 percent chance that it's gonna be you that that spot at first so yeah. like eh, for me I, I'd rather see a lot and I'd rather experience a lot. And um, that, mm-hmm. that's why I do it.
0: I, I wondered, I had a quick, quite sorry if i um, uh, interrupting your flow, uh, Rob, but I was uh, wondering if you ever miss out on things because of like the size of the group. If you're over in this corner of, you know, the, oh, yeah. the you know, you're, you're a ways away and, the, and they see like this cool venomous snake, but it goes down a hole. And so you miss out on seeing it. Is that, is how common is that? Or or do you all have radios and you can kind of, is it hard to find where the people are that are finding stuff if you're spread out?
2: Yeah. So it's, it's tough. We always have a, a <laughs> Hey guys, stick together. <laughs> yeah. Right? Make sure uh, within like you know distance of each other. But you okay. so stay pretty be,
0: close. Typically. Yeah, yeah.
2: It, uh, <laughs> it depends where you are, but it, there's, yeah. there's been times where, you know, I mean, when we were in Namibia, it's such a vast landscape that, mm-hmm. you know, that guy's on the other side of the mountain,
3: right? Yeah,
2: if, you know. Yeah. Then at that point, whatever you, you bag it, what have you? But mm-hmm. the but but what's crazy is, I, I tend to take my time for taking photographs. I tend to yeah. lollygag a bit. I'm I'm interested in a lot of stuff, right? Not mm-hmm. just the reptiles. There's some people going on trips they all they want to see is snakes. They have no interest mm-hmm. in any frogs, no interest in any. I have interest in a lot of things, and so mm-hmm. that tends to make me sit in the back of the pack for a while. So I tend to be mm-hmm. the guy trailing behind.
0: And spending more time with the animal,
2: spending more time with the animal, photographing it, doing what I got to do. But yeah, that it it causes opportunities where you miss things. Right. Or that Mm -hmm. animal was in situ. And by the time you got there, not in situ anymore. Right. So you missed that beautiful shot of it on the rock and now all that. And that happens. That's going to happen. Last uh, in Madagascar, you know, uh, about a third of the team saw FUSA. Oh, cool. By the time we got there, It was, gone. was long gone. And yeah. so it's like, they saw a glimpse of it, but still at least they got to see it. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. at the same time you could say, well, because it was such a large group, that's why I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Or you could say we're such a large group that gave them the chance to see it. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you look at things, right. You can sure. look at a half glass full, half <laughs> glass empty. Right. So I tend yeah. to look at it like, listen, you know, the reason why we're finding so much is because we're in, we're in a larger group. Um, so if you end up missing out on something, eh, you know, as almost yeah. was it the target stuff? That's why you make sure everybody knows, listen, this is what I'm here for. So yeah, if you find one, you let me know, don't be like, oh, that's the third mm-hmm. one I saw or whatever. And keep walking. You let me know um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It's some, in some environments, again, like Costa Rica, there's so much stuff in, in places in Madagascar, it was like, you were tripping over stuff. It was crazy. Yeah. And so there's opportunities. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to see it all.
1: Okay. Hmm. I don't know why you would bring up uh, venomous snakes going down a hole that we didn't get to see, Justin. Um, I that in the end, but I, I can't imagine why you'd bring that up. Um, I, that actually reminds me of kind of a question from that same day, and tied in, you know, you being interested in the photography and all that. Do you feel like you have the time to photograph and engage with an animal in in this group setting? That's like satisfying to you, right? So, are you able to do that? And this is. Uh, naturally counting in the
2: question of sort of the, the ethic around time frame of the exposure for that Mm. animal to people taking pictures Mm. and all that stuff. Of course. So that's the big, right. That's the big ethical dilemma, right. For all of, all of herpers, Mm -hmm. right. What, what the, especially as a photographer, you always have to have to kind of suss out what is okay. What's not okay. Where that, where that line is drawn. And yes, so there's opportunities where you are, right? If there's 10 people trying to photograph something, yeah, your time with that animal will be limited, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of it um, for the sake of the animal, uh, mm-hmm. for the sake of uh, everybody to get their turns to take photos and th- things like that. That is a conflict. That's a conflict every trip. It always will be. That's, that is the big, to me, the biggest con. Okay. Mm -hmm. biggest con of the trip is uh, of of group trips. There's a lot of pluses. But the big con is is that time with the animal and I take my time. And (laughs) so. um, And so. It's kind of known that I'm like that, so I usually – I will wait until everybody's done, so I'm the last one. I can take my time a little bit more than maybe other people because I don't have to be the first one, but that may mean I miss out on the sit-two shot. That may mean I miss out when it was perfectly coiled up. These are things that I just have to accept as if I want the time, I have to be on the back end. So Mm -hmm. that is is the big con. Mm -hmm. However, for most people who take a few shots, cell phone shots, what have you, it's no problem. There is no issue. Um, but yeah it it really depends it helps when there's other photographers with you so if you have other people in the group that are also just as interested in the photography as you are then it becomes you kind of sit around you guys take your turns and you and it becomes a collaborative effort which i think is also really cool that's something that's often not talked about so yes while getting everybody trying to take the photo of the same animal could could be a conflict it also you can look at it that well i'm also around these awesome photographers and we can bounce things mm-hmm. off of each other. Hey, what about this? What about that? Hey, can you pull my light here? Hey, can you do? And so you're, if, if you're with the right group and you're with with friends and you're with people who, who also respect what you do in terms of photography as well, then it could be a collaborative effort. And that even, in my opinion, makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it really depends. It's, it's all, it really depends on, on your situation, how you look at it. But if you <laughs> want full time with that animal, then, well, you know, it's, it's not, it may not be the trip for you.
0: Hmm. I remember our trip in 2011 to, to Darwin. Uh, Nick uh, Mutton had a camera that cast a red light every time it was oh. trying to focus. And so like half my photos of the animal have like a red light on it. Oh, and no. I'm like, Dang <laughs> it, Nick, can you wait till we're done and then get your crappy uh, red light camera in here? <laughs> right, right,
2: right, funny. right, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so that's a conflict, right? That's always gonna be a conflict. But that, that could be a conflict in a group of four people. Yeah. You know? it's yeah, true. It's not necessarily only, you know, if, if all four of you really want to spend that hour with that animal, hopefully not an hour, <laughs> but if yeah. you spend that amount of time with the animal and take your time, then you know, that can become a conflict, especially when the time's click the time is in my opinion, the minute you are interacting with the animal, you the time starts starts going down. You don't have that much time to be fair to that Mm -hmm. animal, to be respectful, to be, you know, not going crazy. Um, if the thing is going through all four of its threat displays, like 12 times, then my guy, you are way out of line. And you should have let that thing go a while ago. Does does the guide step in at all? Uh, uh, depends on the guide, depends on the situation, all those sorts of things. Um, Mm -hmm. um, Herp do a really good job that even if the local guides, Honestly, if I gotta be honest, local guys tend to be a little more lax than than um mm-hmm. depending on where you are, than yeah. let's say even the um host of the actual trip. And the host mm-hmm. of the trip, uh Brian and Laura, they do, they make sure that guys, that's it. We gotta mm-hmm. that's it. We're done. Last shots you got two more shots each and we gotta it's it's stressed out, we gotta let it go or this is okay. enough we can move it on and so they do a really good job and make sure they're regulating that as well to make sure that nothing is being done that it that shouldn't be done which i think to me is a plus yeah yeah i've been on herping trips where you've seen you know even a friend of yours where you're not too happy about what they're doing and you're like <laughs> it becomes yeah. kind of awkward to say hey dude that's enough like or hey <laughs> whatever it's nice to have that third party be like hey hey hey, hey we're done like yeah we've yeah. got enough yeah,
0: that's true. It always yeah. helps to have that third person saying, "I think we've, I think we've reached our limb with this animal."
2: Yep. <laughs> so yeah, because if you know, sometimes <laughs> you get tunnel vision and you don't realize. Like I've been, I've, I've shot 150 photos of this thing. Like if I don't have it now, then I shouldn't be photographing yeah. anyway. So it's true. Um, you kind of have to like. Usually, somebody has to peel me away. So, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> and I tell them, guys. Yank me out of there. Cause
0: I'll be there all day. So they was yeah. like, Isaac, that's enough. Okay. I agree.
2: One more, you know, <laughs> one more,
0: <laughs> it's always one more, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had a friend in uh, New Zealand and they found one of the Naltina species, the green mm-hmm. gecko species. And, and they were, um, and the, the one who found it was a native uh, New Zealander and he spent most of the time with the animal. And then when it was time for everybody else to photograph, he said, Oh, this animal's too stressed out we need to let it go and so my friend didn't get any uh, pictures of it in situ like oh on no. a, he had one picture of it in his hand and that's it it's like oh come no. on why why did you hug all the time when you live here you know yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah i guess even if you're not on a paid tour you can still have that that kind of experience maybe correct <laughs> correct and maybe the guides are nice to kind of regulate it and say, Hey, you know, you've, you've taken your share of the time. Now let's turn it over to somebody else or, you know, right. Move out of the way so they can get the shot, you know, in the right lighting or the right direction. So the sun's, you know, right on it, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I uh, definitely, uh, fully, um, you know, co-sign your point that that is not unique to a commercial trip. It's just, From my perspective, it was if you're talking about eight or 10 people, that's, you know, obviously that's a, a lot more opportunity for that to happen than if you have four other Correct. people or whatever. Yeah. Um, Correct. But I do think that that additional uh, to the point you both made about having a sort of neutral to semi-neutral third party there to sort of adjudicate and or, you know, make mm-hmm. sure that, yeah, the animal welfare is important. I think that's a great point for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. So like, you know, I've, I've done tours to the Galapagos. Let me tell you the amount of regulation and things that happen in the Galapagos or, you know, it, there's a guide next to you the whole time. There is not, yeah. you don't get to go to Galapagos by yourself. You don't get to plan your own herb trip to the Galapagos. It doesn't work like that. Right. Mm-hmm. There is, there's certain, right. So you don't get to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And that brings me to like one of my biggest second points is that guiding in depending on where you are, is a necessity. Right? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. some countries where you can't go by yourself. You just can't. You can't. Developing countries, it gets really dicey to go by yourself without having um, a local with you. Um, the language, right? If there's a language barrier, again, easy when you're in Australia. You speak English, right? But if you're in middle of, uh, I don't know, anywhere, uh, Uganda or what have you, then it becomes a little bit more difficult to the language barrier can be an issue. And so yeah. um that's something that's
0: potentially really dangerous. About. I mean, if you're Correct. you know 100%. Yeah, in the wrong place 100%. at the wrong time, you know, it can be a really a sketchy, sketchy thing.
2: Correct. What is okay to do, what is not okay to do, what are the yeah. superstitions, what aren't the superstitions, yep. what are what are like uh, again, you you to have that person there is um is worth it. Um it's definitely mm-hmm. worth it and and needed. So I think that that's, that's a big plus. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that if you think about the communities, you know, ecotourism is good for the community.
0: Yeah. Well, so there, there's
2: that's
0: a why my, a rule in Costa Rica that you can't go into the national parks without a guide. You can't correct. go in there alone. So, correct. you know, sometimes the countries will dictate that. And And, you know, I was, I mean, I had my family over there, you know, several children and my wife and my parents. Mm-hmm. And so each time you went into the, forest and having and they and they charge per person not like for the group or for the time right. it was like you had to pay 50 bucks per person every time you went in the park it was it got a little expensive so you have to plan on those kind of things too i i didn't realize that at when you know planning the trip but uh so that was right. kind of a shock to the wallet
2: <laughs> right right yeah no no public land is a is a public lands are <laughs> are a privilege they really are yeah. Um, yeah. and sometimes we we we're pretty lucky in the United States that we have a public park system, that we have Mm -hmm. national parks and state parks, and these are pretty accessible to us and we're allowed to be there and we're encouraged to be there and we're supposed to be there. Um, But, you know, that's not necessarily the case everywhere. And Mm -hmm. so you may be, um, so for instance, in Madagascar, yeah, those times where we were in national parks, of course, but there was also, also times where we were in this rural area where we were looking for, these reptiles on the side of the road or in Mm -hmm. in somebody's on somebody's privately owned land it's not okay for you to just trounce in there by yourself without that local guide being hey this is what we're doing this is how we're doing it we're not Mm going to be long you know and so we have to sometimes separate ourselves from that and understand that that those things are important and making sure that we are being welcomed into these places It's it's a privilege for us to travel hundred mm-hmm. percent privilege for us to go to these countries and go look for their reptiles yeah, and handle them and photograph them and do everything else we do. It's, it's a big privilege. And for me doing that on my own, I would feel a bit like I'm taking advantage in some ways. And I think without the locals, at least blessing in a lot of ways or their, um, their benefit, then to me, it's, it, it wouldn't feel right. If that mm. makes sense yeah Uh, good point you know like it's again easy right i i I, we go to the united states we we plan a trip we're out there we're hiking we're 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 backpacking whatever we wanted sleeping in the car and that's great but if you know you do that in somebody's uh rural field yeah it's not you know you're trouncing on their plants on the way to looking for snakes i've seen that
0: (laughs) yeah I've i've seen that I've heard a uh a fun story. I think it was on Mike Pinkleton's podcast. But he, they were herping in California, and all of a sudden, these dogs came charging at them. They they treat them basically I had to climb up a tree to get away from the dogs, and then the owner came, and it he's like you know, overalls, missing teeth. It's like yeah, yeah, you yeah, in yeah. California or you know, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, somewhere else. But, uh, and you know, he had his gun and was pointing it at him and stuff. And they're like, we're, we're just looking for our car. We got lost. You know, we don't mean to right. be on your land, but yeah, it right. can be a little sketchy if you <laughs> take a wrong turn. And I know even in like Australia, I think Rob uh, has a story or two of <laughs> getting on, you know, private property or <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs>
1: yeah and certainly winding up lot, you know, just uh that that uh, the first trip and exercise in insufficient planning, right <laughs> to reliant upon like, oh, the you know local or semi local or whatever advice to you know that yeah. that was the big lesson I learned on the first trip to Australia. was I never wanted to be in that spot again where it mm-hmm. was like. Uh, in very you know from as you can imagine zach i mean shoot you've heard plenty of those episodes where it was like oh come to australia and we'll tell you you know we'll take you out or we'll tell you where to go uh-huh. and all this stuff." we were way too reliant on that on the first trip yeah. and uh yeah, because again we'd had at that point what seven years of hearing hearing that same sentiment <laughs> yeah. uh, and i don't doubt that it was well intentioned but when mm-hmm. it came came down to it mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't super useful and Definitely, the lesson I learned—we saw some ex- exceptional animals and all that—and had a great time. That's not—that's not the question. But when I came home, my lesson learned was, yeah, I'm never doing that again. I'm never going to be caught out not having done right. the research on my end.
2: Right, right, yeah. right, 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 and and right. So, so exactly. Um, I think another reason—the reason why I started taking tours—is out of out of frankly necessity for myself. You know, uh, Herpers can be like a bit like her uh, hurting cats in a lot of ways, where it's like, all right, guys, are we gonna go? We're not gonna go. We're not gonna go. Are we gonna go? Are we, gonna go? Are, are, we, are we? Are you buying the tickets? Are we not buying the tickets? Yeah. Like, what, are, what are we doing? Oh yeah, well, let me talk to my wife and let me figure out what's going on. And you're like, oh my god. And so for me, I was in a place to be honest at the time when I decided to go on my first tour. We went to I signed up for Costa Rica. I just, mm-hmm. I just turned 30 and I said to myself, you know what? I don't have any any more reptiles really in my house. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm itching to get out there. I'm just going to go ahead and book something. I would have loved to go on a group tour when I or a small tour when I could have had a bunch of my friends and we could have gone to do something. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have that luxury at the time. And mm-hmm. so it was like, okay, if I want to go do this, I have to sign up and do this with somebody. And I did, and it, it's been nothing but a blessing to me. So um, that's... That's another thing. I think it's a great start. A lot of people would love to go on herping trips, right? I would mm-hmm. love to go to herping trips, but it becomes so daunting to say, okay, I gotta figure out where I'm gonna go, how I'm gonna get there. I gotta figure out the the logistics, all that sort of thing. And while that can be fun, it also is a huge barrier to entry,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And so for a lot of people, myself included, who didn't have the time, to whatever, and also wanted to do it for my birthday. So I had kind of had a bit of a time crunch there. It was like, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. And, and it worked out for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's something to think about too, is it's a great, and Costa Rica to me is like, again, I could gush about it because it's such a cool place, but um, <laughs> it's like yeah. the gateway drug, in my opinion, <laughs> to, uh, to international field herping. Um, mm. because it is so accessible, you know, yeah. that, that country yeah. is built around, uh, eco-tourism. ecotourism. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so accessible. You feel like you're welcome. You feel like the thing, what you're doing, you're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, the locals want you there. All those things is, mm-hmm. is important to me. And so it, it was the gateway drug for me going to Costa Rica and going on that first trip. Um, yeah. and so I wouldn't want people to feel like they can't go. And do these things unless they did it on their own or had, or were able to convince their three buddies to go with them Mm -hmm. or what have you. Because if I was doing that, I, I'd still probably wouldn't have gone.
0: Right? Yeah.
2: Ultimately, I'd still be trying to convince people to go.
0: Right, and and you'd kind of notice that as as uh, herpers find a group that they're compatible mm-hmm. with and that they travel well with and that can make plans at the drop of a hat, kind of thing. You know that mm-hmm. that are that are gonna follow through and make the plans and go. You know, Then you tend to stick with those guys anyway. So you know, and and it's. A rare find to, you know, herp with somebody like Rob, who's willing to put in all that time and put in yep. all that effort to plan the trip. You know, I think uh, there's a lot of times on those trips, there's either, you know, you might have somebody who who wants to dominate and tell, you know, we're going here. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's a rare find to have somebody who's that into the planning and, the, and, but it also is flexible to say, yeah, we can do an alternative plan or we can do something else. And um, so, you know, that is hard to find that. And I think when you do find it, you tend to kind of cling to that a little bit, but I I think you're kind of getting that to some extent from your buddies on the previous trips. And so, right. you know, that can evolve into that uh, tight knit group of buddies rather than a, a paid tour, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, that's always going to determine based on the tour and the kind of tour and the kind of guides mm-hmm. and the kind of hosts. It's it's all, it's all, I guess, a lot of ways up in the air. Um, and I guess that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's possibly a con where you don't know exactly how it's going to go. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, but, you know, try it out. Be surprised. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, uh, I had some frustrations cause I was trying to book a, a tour in Costa Rica to go on a herp tour, you know, mm. somebody who knew the area knew and had a, had a place. And so I kept trying to book this group that I found through, you know, an internet search basically, but it was kind of, um, around the time of COVID or just after. And so mm. I think that may have influenced this. So, you know, it may have been just a, a one-off, but, Um, I could never get them to respond to my messages, you know, Hmm. it was just kind of. And when they did, it was kind of uh, not very specific or helpful. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm here this day. Can you do the tour? You know, or they weren't in the area or it's going to cost way too much money. So I think eventually I I relied on a local that my daughter knew because she was there teaching English. And so she was able to find a group close to where we were that was reasonably priced and knew the area well. And so it was a really nice little trip, but that was kind of a headache and a stress trying to find Mm -hmm. a good, you know, tour group to to correct book where I had to book a, a tour or else I wasn't going to get out into the, this, you know, into these areas. So correct.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think, uh, you know, this idea that, it's still work, man. I mean, you're herping mm-hmm. with guides, no guides. It's still work. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still getting chewed on by leeches. I'm still getting back with, uh, you know, yeah. uh, bleeding, sweating, the whole nine. It's still work. Um, it's just, you know. But
0: the most rewarding work, work of all, right? That's right. (laughs) That's right.
2: It's not easy. Like just because I'm with a guy doesn't. I mean, sometimes it is. I'm going to be honest, but uh, oftentimes it's not. Right? You're still putting in that effort. You're still putting in the work. um, Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not necessarily like going to the zoo, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead, Rob. Sorry.
2: No, no, all
1: good. So I just had two practical questions, but I love the way this conversation is going. So, Justin, if you had something there,
2: go for it.
0: Oh, I just had a curiosity. Uh, if in Galapagos, are you sleeping on a boat or are you sleeping on the islands?
2: So I, I went on a liverboard. Mm-hmm. So you're sleeping on the boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my opinion, I think that's the, the real, the only real way to do the Galapagos, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Okay. Um, is to do it via boat. Uh, if you want to see the different islands. I mean, I, I the Galapagos is very, very regimented. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You must be with a guide. (laughs) There is a certain, right. It's not, you don't just get the, okay, go have fun on the island. No, there's a certain trail you must be on. You're not allowed to leave trail. You're not allowed to use flash photography. You're, you know, you can only be on the island for X amount of time. Everything is regulated. Only two groups on the island at all. I mean, it's down to, they have it down to a science. And so, um, that experience was, was, you know, not my normal thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but very different
0: you, trip. I'm sure
2: very yeah. different trip than a lot of my other herping trips. It's not, yeah. you know, it's that's a very you can't really compare them. Yeah. However, um, you know, not having to uh, to rely on flash photography made me a better photographer. Mm-hmm. Not having to, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, So challenges,
2: (laughs) it was good challenges. Right. But being on the, you know, then being on the boat all the time, going to Island Island, um, I was fortunate where, you know, there's some legwork too, right? Not all tours are created equal. And, and I did the legwork I did was make sure that I, when I booked the tour, it was going to be a tour that hit the islands I wanted to hit Mm -hmm. that I was going to be in the right season. It was going to be at the right time. I didn't, I did not do all that based on what a guy told me to do. All mm-hmm. that research was done beforehand. And then I found a tour that would accomplish those things I needed. I needed mm-hmm. a tour. I needed to happen sometime in January or February because I wanted a breeding season for the iguanas because I wanted to see the Christmas iguanas lit up. Mm-hmm. Right. That was yeah. my goal. OK, well, I got to make sure I get to the island where those things are at. OK, yeah. I got to make sure that, the you know, so the tour that we ended up going on was not your classic Galapagos tour. Hmm. Um, it was the Southern islands, which are often overlooked, but have the most diversity in terms of reptiles. So that's cool. why it went right. Yeah. And yeah. so understanding all those things before I went, that was, and then that panning out and that working for me and, hmm. and able to see, you know, seeing female iguanas building nests and seeing male hmm. iguanas in full display colors and all those things. It was like, damn, like, this is pretty good. I, I picked the right time to do this. So, yeah. There's still there was still part of that even though it was in theory a guided tour, right?
0: Yeah, but it was elements of your own preparation, correct? And like that, correct. I. Um, I remember, uh, Bob Ashley told me a story where they went for a swim and they came out of the water and there was a sea lion that had kind of laid on their shoes and towels and <laughs> stuff. And they had to wait until yep. the, they, you couldn't move the animal or, or try to shoe no, it away know. from your, your, you had to sit and wait. And I know Bob Ashley is not the most patient person out there. So <laughs> he was uh, pacing, waiting for that, you know, thing to move off his. His stuff, but yeah, I thought that was kind of cool that you can't interact with the animals to to get them to even to move off of your things. Or if there's a tortoise in the way of the tour bus, you have to sit and wait until the tortoise moves on its own time and not Correct. try to move it out of the way or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's all great. A um, couple practicals, as I say. What does the cost look like to do something like this? And I'm sure it's variable based on where you're going and how long you're going. That's my other sort of practical question is what does an average sort of trip duration look like? Again, probably varies widely, but to the extent you can speak to your previous experiences, I mean, obviously if it's a commercial venture, not only are you paying for your, uh, the host to go right. And all these, all the infrastructure and, and guides and all that to happen, but like then, you know, that, presumably plus something is it is it affordable you know in in a um a really accessible way in a you know semi-accessible way you're doing really well so you're situated to do that but you know is it affordable to everyone is it sort of you wouldn't necessarily categorize it that way there's a an option at every price point depending on (laughs) how far you want to go what what does that Mm -hmm. look
2: like yeah i mean just like anything else um obviously the length of time is going to dictate the price but not necessarily um, I think that um, the group I go with do a very good time uh, very, do a very good job at not necessarily I don't ever feel fleeced if that makes any sense I don't ever feel like I overpaid um oftentimes I feel like the opposite where I'm like oh my god we're doing so much you know and 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 um, that's not the case but um, you know I don't know well let's say a two-week trip, two-week trip with everything and usually most of the trips food everything's included so it's usually you know the only thing you're paying for is alcoholic drinks usually on these tours depends but oftentimes that's the case because lots of times you have to book to make sure that we have breakfast in the morning make sure that they're when we're out there if we're out in the jungle somewhere we're camping out there that there's cooks there to to cook for us you know that those things are taken care of and they're all taken care of for you so you don't have to necessarily worry about that you could just again focus on the herping and, and enjoy that part of it. Um, so as a result, like let's say like a two week trip to most places, I think it probably look like $2,500 or so, which, okay. you know,
0: eh. is that with the flight or do you buy the flight? That's going to
2: be, own? that's going to be separate from the flight. That's okay. going to be separate from the flight. So yeah. depending on where you go
0: on the ground. Yeah transportation food
2: everything yeah transportation food they pick you up at the airport uh-huh. drop you off at the airport right okay. gotcha. so you know they're, they're taking care of all that for you mm-hmm. so 2500 to me for two weeks somewhere not too bad considering mm-hmm. but look, not ext- extremely cheap either mm-hmm. um so it really depends in my opinion that's for most people that they, you know they could put put their money together and, and decide it's something they could do i think it's Affordable for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Galapagos obviously is going to be a little bit more money. Certain trips are going to be a little bit more. But I think that uh, for most people, if you really, if it's something that you really want to do, I think it's worth it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I suppose it doesn't make sense. This will be the reason that, uh, I can't come together as a commercial guy. One of the several reasons that, that was talked about tonight that I couldn't come together for that, Justin, is that my goal is always to have people lose a pound or a pound and a half a day, uh, you know, on the trip, not,
0: uh,
1: no, I I'm, gain on weight my, on the trip. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's crazy to me.
0: If you yeah, go I mean, if you go on a trip with Rob, you you need to make sure that you plan ahead to have food because you may or may not be stopping somewhere for food, and that place may or may not be great.
2: <laughs> no, no food. Look, you know food. Uh, maybe because maybe I'm going with Europeans and their taste is a little more refined, but uh, uh, we we tend to eat pretty well. I ain't gonna lie, we tend to eat pretty well. And look, most of the time we're we're going to places where food is relatively inexpensive, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're, if we're out there in Madagascar, you know, $7 could get you, you know, get you pretty far. Huh.
0: I went on a, on a boat trip once with a, a friend of the family and he, he has his boat and he used to guide, uh, river tours down the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. So he's was mm. very great boatman and, and, uh. He was used to cooking for like 30 people. So we'd stop and he he's, he's just got this huge amount of food and he's cooking it all. And we're just eating to our heart's content until we're sick. And then he's like throwing, you know, extra food into the river. We're like, oh, my gosh, that's so much waste. Like, why did you <laughs> I, I only know how to cook for 30. I just don't know any other way. <laughs> like, we'll learn another way. It's crazy. <laughs> (laughs) We ate, uh, I'd probably gain weight on that trip for sure.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, I I generally gain weight, so that's good. (laughs) So for me, that's a plus.
1: That's pretty funny. Well, and I know Nick, right? Nick invariably does that based on his own. So regimented at home that then he goes on these trips and he's to your point. He's like, Oh, a bowl of noodles is 10 cents. Let me have seven, you know, or whatever. Right.
2: Right. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I guess the, so I think this is kind of the, the classic way that Justin and I have been doing these things, you know, and I, it's so awesome to hear all these details and sides that, you know, visibility into it that having never gone, I just don't have, don't have that insight into. So it's a little less, a uh, little less of a fight. I think there's clear, you know, we even agree. There's clear pros and cons on either side, mm-hmm. but uh yep really great to have all this detail and perspective that I feel like uh, honestly, these businesses rely on people like you being an advocate for them because um, otherwise it's just sort of, Oh, fancy pictures or whatever. But there, there is that price point. There is the, you know, to some extent a, a reduced agency and all these different things that would, that would dissuade someone like me beyond saying, Oh wow, that is a pretty picture. And I don't speak Thai or I don't speak, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, you know, or I can imagine difficulties, heck, even in places where there is less of a language, South Africa. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. that, that doesn't, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't feel like getting kidnapped, you know, that's not on my mm-hmm. bucket list of things that yeah, happen. Right. Brazil, you know, like so not, not things yep. that I'm looking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not things that are high on my, uh, to do list. So, mm-hmm. uh, I certainly appreciate that there are contexts, um, where that would be helpful, you know, um. Or not even helpful doesn't uh, helpful is too much of an understatement essential right or, or even you know where the yeah. legislation requires it or whatever so I, I think that's that's super clear so it's great to have someone with that experience really speak to the positives beyond just well you need to so you got no choice right
0: mm. <laughs> right so
1: right, I, right I think it's done yeah.
0: Well, I, I, you know, I hope people have enjoyed kind of the nuts and bolts of things. We we probably should have you back on to talk about all the cool animals you've seen. I Maybe uh, <laughs> do you have a do you have one that just burns, uh, you know, it's burned into your brain and we'll, we'll stick with you forever. One of your favorite finds you can throw out there for us.
2: Mm, my goodness, that's a tough one. Man. Yeah, it's like picking your kid. <laughs> <laughs> Which is your favorite kid,
0: <laughs> oh, or oh, just a memorable man. one? I guess, yeah.
2: Oh man,
0: <laughs> huh? I I know I have one uh, on one of my. I think it was yeah, it was my first trip to Australia. Um I went to the rainforest, and I knew you could find Boyd's forest dragons there, you know. And so that was kind of what I was looking for, and I had. The search image. I knew what kind of size tree they would be on, and I just scanned every tree in that freaking <laughs> forest. And I and I went one. You know, the first day I was there, I went on my own, didn't find one. And, but the the you know the area was so cool, I wanted to take my dad back there because I was on the trip with him. So we went back the next day, and you know, right when he started to have to take the loop back, I I spotted one on a tree, and that image is just burned into my brain. It was very cool to see. That animal right where it should be, you know, on the the size of tree that they said they'd be on and just sitting there on the side of it It was really cool. And that's just stuck in my my brain. Um, One of my favorite experiences.
2: Oh, man. okay, okay. let's let's I'm (laughs) going to pick one. Let's see. All right. I'll pick one from from not quite. I mean, I guess there was guides. I do have guides, but not necessarily a a trip with with uh, the people I go often with. It was when I went to Peru. Uh huh. This is uh, about two years ago. I went to Peru, uh, met a friend there and then eventually went out on my own, essentially um, with uh, to uh, a lodge called Oturongo out there. And uh, we we were looking for Bushmasters and um, it was crazy we were herping uh, all day, all night uh-huh. for like two days and had, and it was dry. It was pretty dry. Had mm. it rained for a while in Peru and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and nothing was moving essentially. Mm. And for one whole day it rained. I mean, it poured. Mm. I've never <laughs> seen rain like this right <laughs> for a whole day. And then that night we're like, no, tonight's going to be a good night. Like, I mean, I mean, the guy, Johnny, you're like, no, tonight's going to be a good night. Like we're going to go out. We're going we're to find something. Yeah. And I'm excited. And I'm like, all right, this is a place. Well, there's a place known for Bushmasters. It's, it's, they, we know they're around the vicinity of the lodge. We know that they're here. We just have to find one. Mm-hmm. And we set off and we're looking. And I mean, the am <laughs> been a lot of places. The Amazonian jungle is um, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. It is the quietest and loudest place on Earth. I don't know how else to describe it other than <laughs> oftentimes you feel like you can – hear your heartbeat and other times you can barely you know the cacophony is so loud so it really depends but there yeah. and look you turn off your flashlight and the your the, the herper next to you could be three trees away and you can't see him at all yeah you can't see even his flashlight like this wow. is like deep deep Amazonian jungle and
3: thick forest
2: yeah really thick really thick <laughs> forest and we're out there we're looking and you know i get a i get a call snake hmm. and i come running and again, to your point, right? John was the first one to spot it. Mm-hmm. However, John lost it. Oh, Right. Had no idea where he saw it because by the time he came and found me, he totally forgot where he had seen it.
3: Oh, no. <laughs>
2: it's like, it's that way somewhere. I'm like, yeah, but there's like <laughs> eight different animal trails going off of there. So then yeah. the search began, right? We know yeah. we saw a snake. He saw two eyes and he came running to find me. He saw like a glint of eyes. So, in my opinion, that probably was a bushmaster. If you found, if you saw um, eyes shine like that, mm-hmm. so got really excited, started running around, looking around, and we just couldn't find it. It's like mm-hmm. maybe 20, 30 minutes. It's like this is it. Like this is it. We we lost it. Like maybe it went mm-hmm. down a hole. Maybe like who knows what. It's it's over. I guess we have to keep looking. Yeah. Something told me like I think he ran probably further than he imagined. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm like I'm gonna keep going. So it's like I ran. I went way further out. That I think that we even looked and it kept going, kept going, made a couple of rights, a couple of lefts and between a fork of like four animal trails sat yeah. this huge Bushmaster. Wow. Huge female Bushmaster in, in, <laughs> in ambush position uh, yeah. on the, on the crux of like four animal trails, like exactly mm. where they say they are ex- yeah. like down to the T. Wow. Um, And they call them shushupe. That's what they call them. That's the Uh, the local uh, word for Bushmaster. And they're considered to be like a spirit of the forest um, because they often are said that they appear and disappear. Mm -hmm. Right? And what they're trying to describe is... This is their ecology is that they most of the time are underground, right? They're yeah. tree hollows. Yeah. They're, they're on the ground, they're on the brush. And every once in a while they come out and they'll sit right in the middle of either person's trail, animal trail, any kind of trail. And they'll sit mm-hmm. right in the middle and wait for an animal to come by so they could snag it. And so it became this kind of like, they show up randomly. You can, you can mm-hmm. hike out all the way back, find one sitting on the trail. So, mm-hmm they have this mystique about them being this ghost of the forest. Isn't yeah. You? yeah. And so seeing that female there, I mean, uh, was just cool. unbelievable. It was just, it was one of the coolest things ever. And, you know, I, I uh, it was just, and it's the Bushmaster. It is the, yeah. the, 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 to me, the, the you know, if, if it's <laughs> yeah. not the pin, uh, some people may say Kings are, are the, the pinnacle mm-hmm. of, of venomous snakes. I, I disagree. I'm going to yeah. say that the Bushmaster to me is, is absolutely the king of, of snakes. Um, And, uh, it was super cool to see her like that. Oh, very
0: cool. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's the stuff, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what keeps us going out there and keeps us looking for these things in the wild, you know? And, um, I, I know that sometimes like missing on a target species is what drives me to go back and and, try again and you see if I can find that thing, you know? So, oh, very cool. Well, If you have any kind of final thoughts or some summation of your your, uh, thoughts, and maybe if you want to throw out that that uh, group that you go with commonly, uh, just so people uh, have that if they want to check into it.
2: Sure. Um, So final thoughts, I say, um, you know, if you if you wait around and you think about doing something rather than doing it, um, you're wasting time. Just get Uh, out there and do it. Um, Even if that requires you to contact somebody else to help you get there. Um, ultimately, um, how you get there is sometimes not as important as just going and getting there. And so don't think that you have to do this crazy solo situation and that there's no, uh, potential, uh, benefit of going as a group. There's a mm-hmm. lot of benefits growing as a group, including my favorite, which is meeting new people. Um, so go ahead, go have fun, go to places that scare you um go to places that you you can never imagine going um and you'll be surprised um uh, one how strong you are and um two how big and small the world is <laughs>
0: well said that's awesome yeah i think that's uh that's one of my fa- you know the one of the, the my favorite points that you brought up was I mean, just get out there and do it. If you need to have a, have a tour group to do it, then make it happen. You know, if you, if you want to plan a trip on your own, make it happen. That's uh that's great advice. Go see the world. Cause uh, our time here is not long enough. Right.
2: Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So if, if I only limited myself, Right, to yeah. two things I can do on my own, I would have gotten no <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Africa would have not have been my favorite continent on planet Earth. It's uh-uh. just I have to be willing to to do that. So um if you are interested in any of the trips that I've talked about, mm-hmm. at least um, some of them, a lot of the times I go with herp, again it's herbological education and research projects. They're uh um, the web address is herp, so it's pretty easy, herp.be, BE for Belgium, so it's pretty easy to find them, um, and then you can see um, a lot of the, the trips still, they'll have there, and I think they're – you know where they are currently? Where's that? Western Australia. Oh really? Uh mm-hmm.
0: one of my favorite places on earth. I know. I, I, I know and, knew,
2: and what's crazy is the the I, I got some information on that tour. I'm not obviously yeah. I'm not there, but uh-huh. I got some information at least on the some of the itinerary where they were hidden. It is yeah. literally exactly what I would do. Yeah. Down yeah. to exactly how much time I would spend there. Like it's like a, almost a full three weeks. Like it's hardcore. It's awesome. That's so cool. uh, they're having a great time there. Uh, they've seen a lot of stuff already. So nice. God bless them. Um,
0: I'd be curious to hear kind of like the, or see the list of their finds, you know, just to yeah. kind of maybe convince me that that would be helpful. <laughs> you
2: <know?
0: laughs> That'd be, yeah. you know, If you can wow me with your uh, find list, then yeah, that, that might convince me to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, yes, yeah, yeah. so if you, if you uh-huh. jump on their uh, Facebook page, you can uh-huh. see at least some of what they, especially Brian's, what they're finding. If you look at what they're finding. So they're, they're okay. doing pretty well. They're, they're doing pretty well. Oh. Um, so that's what they're doing now. So, uh, I think their next trip coming up, they're going to Suriname. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm not going to that one. I wish I could, Yeah, but that, that looks amazing. Um,
0: how many trips do you try to hit a year?
2: Uh man, if I could as many or, as I can or every afford. other year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as many yeah. as I can afford essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh for me actually the 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 issue is a lot of it with time. Mm-hmm. You know, um yeah. a lot of the places I still want to visit, I don't want to visit for a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um and yeah, it seems like every year I'm getting more and more responsibilities at work so it becomes yeah. harder and harder to take these trips. Yeah. So as of right now technically for this year I have nothing planned. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I just came back from Madagascar. So I feel pretty good. I have so many photos to go through still that oh, wow. I, have, I have plenty to, uh, keep me busy for the next uh, year at least, but right now I have nothing planned. Um, but, um, you know, that doesn't mean I won't go anywhere, just possibly, uh, maybe not a trip with them this year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Speaking of which, where can people see your photos?
2: Oh my goodness. The, the, the big <laughs> question, you know, what's you know, what's interesting about, about that, uh, uh-huh if you go to my Facebook page, you could probably see some of my photos, uh, but to be fair, I haven't posted a lot of my mm-hmm. photos recently. Um, uh, what I have found
0: that you're denying these people of uh, yeah. phenomenal photos. <laughs>
2: so, so yeah, well, let me, let me, let me preface this by saying this. I think that social media, while it's a beautiful thing in some ways, right. gets, yeah. gets us talking, gets us to, to mm-hmm. find like-minded individuals. It could also tend to, make you feel competitive in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and what i found was i had to especially with my photography i had to sit back and think okay why am i doing this just Mm -hmm. like just like herping why am i herping am i herping to to prove something to somebody else am i herping to prove something to myself Mm -hmm. um am i doing it for my own enjoyment am i doing it to get some kind of likes clicks that sort of thing and and a lot of what I, i was feeling i was feeling pressure to get my photos up get the, mm-hmm. get the album produced, make sure people see it, get those likes. And I felt like that was kind of weighing in on my hobby in a way, mm-hmm. because photography yeah. is first and foremost, my hobby. And so mm-hmm. if you've noticed for less last less few years, I have really posted much of my photos. Luckily when you were at Carpet Vest, we sat down <laughs> yeah. and I showed you a lot of uh-huh. photos that I have I've in my back pocket. Uh-huh. Um, eventually the, the hope is I will uh, probably get a website for my, photos okay. so they can live somewhere indefinitely and yeah. they can be presented in a way I want them to be presented. Yeah. Um, and I can, and I'm doing it for the right reasons. Okay. Um, so well, with that being said, you the, go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a minute, the minute that a uh, website gets put out there, I yeah. will make sure that I, I will let you know. Very cool.
0: Yeah. I'm, t- I'm telling you people this, <laughs> This guy's photographs are incredible, like really amazing. And the, you know, the species that you found are just very diverse and wide ranging and just, I mean, had my jaw hit the floor multiple times. So, yep, I, I look forward to that day. <laughs> awesome. Now, we, Rob, we haven't forgot about you. Do you have any uh, kind of final statements uh, kind of on your your side of things? of
1: no, not really. I really appreciate you coming on Zach, and giving us this insight and uh, great to hear about maybe the, the ideation around a website to present your images and stuff. I'm sort of doing the same thing with my website in terms of a space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think we're aligned in terms of the uh, pros and cons of social media and presentation and how you're mm-hmm. doing it. And I do mm-hmm. feel like, you know, maybe that's its own conversation, um, in terms of the social media content creators, I feel like they often misjudge who their audience is. And so, mm. sometimes I, I think there's a, um, a dulling effect that comes from, especially if they're stuck in a particular area, or they really like to go to a certain area or whatever. I'm saying oh, not a big night, only found 15 Alterna, you know, whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. I that. That message comes across as like, okay, you're pandering to the five other <laughs> Herper bros that you consider to be your competition <laughs> or whatever. And you're kind of putting on airs for that. I mean, the answer to me, a lot of the time is genuinely like, if you really feel that way, go find something else to do with your time. Cause there, as yeah. Justin said, there's not enough of it. So go find yeah. something else to do. Uh, in reality, I think the sort of, um, Saying that to, for whatever reason, to this small yeah. audience, neglecting the fact that 99.9% of your audience would be super excited to see one, and that's not really great messaging. So I'm mm-hmm. with you that a lot of the time, the way it's presented or the way that we take mm-hmm. it in does no justice at all to either the animal or the work that it took to find
2: mm-hmm. it. Either of those things. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep very cool
0: well uh, i I think this has been a nice discussion. Thank you guys for your points of view and for all the information. Hopefully, this has been helpful to to the listener and appreciate you listening but um I don't know i I'd like to end the show with kind of talking about any uh big reptile news or anything like that that you've come across um I don't know you guys got anything cool or or notable lately hmm. Obviously, so uh, I have one, uh, oh, I have go one ahead. here for yeah.
1: you, Zach. That, that, so this threw me for a loop. So our buddy Nipper sent this mm-hmm. to me this morning. We've been mm-hmm. chatting. So on the uh, what Chameleon Academy podcast, there's a fellow mm-hmm. in the UK who's produced Namaqua Chameleons and he come mm-hmm. on to talk about them. There was a little bit of an issue with the upload. Uh, so... It took I had to go seek it out separately because I guess the initial upload cut off at 15 minutes. But in reality, it should have been an hour and 15 minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if it shows as short, then go seek it elsewhere, be it iTunes or what, the Spotify feed. I guess it doesn't update or whatever. So that initial upload kind of threw it for a loop. But I reached out and the answer was, oh, you, you can get it. But you have to access it in a different way than what I'm used to, um, mm-hmm. Bill told me. So anyway, I, I wasn't. You know, Germany, they have everything. So I'm not, I wasn't surprised, but it was good to hear someone kind of freely talking about that. Cause talk about a badass lizard, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, yeah. you know, talk, talk about, Oh my gosh, that, that's <laughs> one of the items that I've seen, you know, heard you talk about or see that you've posted. Yeah. Um, that's one that certainly hits, hits for me. Um, yeah. but then, and Nipper said, uh, so the guy who was on the show was mm-hmm. offering offspring that he had produced in the UK or whatever. And doubtless, that'll mean that maybe in the U.S. at some point they'll have some – they're they're quite spendy as it is or whatever. But then Nipper sent me an advertisement today saying, mm. oh, well, our, our Lucistic namaqua chameleons. And so it really it reminded me of the thing with <laughs> King Orem, how like we're talking about something with presumably a very small initial founder population, and there's a damn mutation in them. In that, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. out of whatever, a pair or two or three or a- animals. Right. And yep. and already you know, and it's like, That's oh, crazy. talk about a mix. Yeah, that that kind of put me for a loop today.
0: And it's not oh. just the ones that can turn bright white because they're yeah. hot. Well, who knows,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Presumably uh, not because they have normal yeah. ones and then and these as well. Yeah. I, there there wasn't a photo or anything like that. But it was the the listing. I think out of Germany, but it, it was uh-huh. just uh, yeah, kind of put me on tilt there for a bit. <laughs>
2: hmm. You know, it's it's interesting because when I when I see. You know, there's a lot of a lot of thoughts like, okay, well, why does morphs pop up in, in captive cap you know, populations so often? And I mm-hmm. think without that natural selection happening, so it's happens. I mean, I, I don't know if, what the percentage of baby Namaqua chameleons make it to adulthood, but I know it's really, really small. Mm-hmm. Like really small. And so when you when you talk about when you take away that natural selection for a few generations, all of a sudden these these uh these morphs that would pop out even in the wild that would immediately be decimated are able to continue to go um, and mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting to see how quickly that that can happen um, it's it's really you know Namaqua chameleons are uh, pretty phenomenal yeah. pretty phenomenal creatures uh, you know it's interesting uh, and and uh here's a here's a, here's a well, leave it on topic here yeah you know we're there with uh we've we obviously found Namco chameleons when we were in in Namibia and um, uh-huh. you know, and of course, just like any other chameleon, you go oh, uh, you go to pick it up, just like you know you find any chameleon, you go do your thing, and thank goodness we did have a guide right because <laughs> yeah. there's no way where you can find this right you can't Google this really, uh-huh. but touching a Namco chameleon will pretty much doom it to death in the world. really. Um, and Whoa. not for the reasons you think. You think, oh, mm-hmm. maybe it's a stress. Maybe it'll expel its, uh, its urates Luckily. and cause it yeah. to be dehydrated. All the things that reason why you don't pick up a tortoise in the wild, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not that. It's the reason that the minute your hands, they have no scent.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So the minute that you touch one, you are now transferring scent onto that animal. Mm-hmm. And that animal lives in a place where hyenas live. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you have to understand that. Uh, It's predator is just looking for any inkling Hmm. of scent in order to track that animal down. It will be gone. So by you touching it, you're transferring your scent onto that animal and that animal will not make it tonight.
0: Wow, that's interesting.
2: I mean, that's amazing to think about. Is it that because they had that's part of how they survive is by not having a scent.
0: I'm curious how they work that out. You know what I mean? Is there studies where? They yeah, I,
2: I, that's what and, I was told. The guy who yeah. told me he's been there his whole. You know, he seems like a very knowledgeable guy. It just made something. Uh-huh. He's like, he like oh, do not. You know anything else? Fair game, but we know for sure that if you, you know, they don't, they can't uh-huh. run very well. They uh-huh. they rely. on their camouflage.
0: Not a lot of cover out there. Correct. (laughs) So you
2: can't, if you have a little scent to you and you're Mm. looking for, and there's brown hyenas, believe me, I saw plenty of them when I was there. Mm. Um, They will track them down and eat them. Wow.
0: How, how uh, hard were they to find the Namaqua chameleons?
2: The first one we found, uh, driving. Okay. It was up on a rock, literally up on a, Uh just perched up on a rock. Yeah. You know, as clear as day. Just sitting there up on <laughs> yeah. a rock, we're like, "What?" You know, we slam brakes. So Everybody runs. Like it's beautiful. It was beautiful. The other times, we found them out in the um, in the, in the grasses and other uh-huh. various things. And we even found a baby uh, one oh, cool. morning. Uh, that yeah. was really really cool. Wow. Um, so yeah, now the Namaquas they're they're pretty prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um. So they tend to be um hit by a car a lot. So mm. uh, yeah, no, that's so, too bad. But that super would be cool. hard to
0: see a <laughs> yeah, DOR. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Luckily for, <laughs> yeah.
2: Luckily for them, yeah. there's not a lot of cars, but uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true.
0: Pretty low traffic areas out there.
2: Amazing species. Amazing. Yeah.
0: I, I saw a really cool Instagram post from Matt Somerville. Um, he, he had gone up to the iron range, uh, what, uh, maybe last month or something. And, mm. and, uh, during the wet season, right? And so obviously it's probably the hottest time of the year up there. And, mm. and, uh, he observed a, a green tree that had, you know, come down. He, he found it at night and then he went back and found it up in the tree during the day and it was sitting in the sunlight, like basking. Like uh, hmm. out out in the yope, you know, kind of where where the sun had full bore on it, you know. And he said it had to have been very hot in the, in the sunlight, you know, sitting there for that long. And it just couldn't imagine how how hot that animal was getting. So that was kind of an interesting observation for me. And I you know I asked him, "Do you think it had eaten recently? You know, it was it digesting a right. meal?" And he said, "Not that he could tell. It just looked." you know, it was just up there in the, in the sunlight. So kind of interesting on the same trip, <laughs> he located a juvenile as well, a yellow uh, neonate and, uh, and showed kind of a zoomed out photo of it in the, just sitting on the edge of the forest, like kind of out in the open where you'd like, mm-hmm. how is this not getting eaten by a bird or an owl or something right. like that? But kind of a cool, cool observation as well. But I guess they kind of hang out on the forest edge and and that uh, juvenile coloration, either the yellow or the red, is, is actually very camouflaging of the animals to uh, owls or, or nocturnal you know, bird predators. Huh. Even some of the diurnal predators uh, don't see that color. It just blends in with the greenery. So for us, it sticks out like a sore thumb. But for them, they blend in really nicely for uh, their natural predators. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: It's like the the tigers in the orange coat. Yeah. They're, yeah. Right? They're yeah. bright orange to us. We can see them pretty um, well, but you know, they're pregnant. The deer
0: sees them as green instead of orange, yeah. Correct. That was kinda cool. I, I love those nature shows. That, I mean, I still remember the first time I saw an Amaqua chameleon on Nature, you know, the that program on PBS that right. <laughs> showing like half of it was white and half of it was black as it's warming mm-hmm. up in the morning. Just crazy stuff. So wow, ah, yeah. nature's wonderful. Yeah. On kind of a, a sad note, you know, we, uh, Brian Barchek passed away this week and, you know, as I guess a polarizing a figure he was in the reptile industry, you know, you see a lot of haters and a lot of people who just adore the man. I, I was kind of on the side of the door adoration. I, I mean, I remember meeting him the first time and just a really super positive, helpful person gave us a lot of time. Me and Ben were new, you know, at a big show and just, uh, he, he just sat and talked with us and gave us advice and was really positive and excited and just a really nice guy. I I just had a really, you know, all the experiences I had with him, we got to speak at uh, the same, uh, reptile, uh, show out in Australia. And so I got to share the stage with Brian and give a talk, uh, you know, after he, or before or after he did, I can't remember. I think he was probably the closer, the The Aussies love that guy, but, uh, mm-hmm. just always a really super positive and, and happy person. So it's you know, I think it's a loss for the reptile community as a whole, but, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. About his family. That's a, it's a rough loss, I'm sure. But Yeah. Take him too soon for sure. Yeah.
2: When, when it comes to, you know, when you're on top of the game, you know, you just, you're gonna, you're gonna gather ire. It's just the way it is. And the reality is, is he's always been a very positive person. He was always very positive. And, you know, we have to look at how he affected not only just the reptile community, but the broader public, you know, he was our face, Mm -hmm. you know, you can have problems with that, but, that's the reality. And he was a positive face. Yeah. Right. Sure. Rather than so many negative faces that we have now, especially on YouTube, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So he was a positive face and he surely would be missed. And, um, we were all inspired by him, yeah. whether we want to admit it or not. That's the reality. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, folks that have said that, you know, he's the reason they got into reptiles and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of had that Steve Irwin type, uh, presence in regards to the number of people that he reached and 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 presented reptiles in a in a positive light that's uh you know a correct. real feat correct yeah
1: yeah i mean in law school when i was up in michigan um literally kept a roof over me and my family's head selling him baby rhino rat snakes and Thai mm-hmm. bamboo rats and a whole host of things every season we take a whole whole host of them over to him and yeah, mm-hmm. as I say, literally paid for the roof over the head with wow. this, uh, Definitely a mm-hmm. sweet guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Uh, he'll be missed. Yeah. Well, on that cheery note, <laughs> we'll thank uh, Eric and Owen and the NPR crew for uh, letting us uh, put these shows out. And thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you again next week for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Fight Club.